With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Monday Buckeye Talk. Although it's possible it's got up late Sunday night. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes basketball team in the NCAA tournament. A seven seed in Pittsburgh against number 10 Loyola Chicago on Friday. As we start to record this at 8.52 Sunday evening, Stephen, no TV times out yet, right? We don't know. Uh, no, 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 that is not correct. They literally came, came out. out. Um, yeah, as we started recording this, they they will play at 12.15 on CBS on Friday. So it'll be the first game of Friday. First game on Friday. You'll be there. I might try to go if it's the first game on Friday. We are going to talk about the Buckeyes getting in. We're going to talk a little bit about the Loyola matchup and what we think might happen. If Ohio State wins, they'll likely get number two seed Villanova. In the second round, Villanova playing number 15 Delaware and the opposite side of that bracket. We'll talk a little bit about what Chris Holtman had to say about the injury status of the Buckeyes. And then at the end, Stephen, I don't want to start with this, but I do want to put the Buckeyes being an NCAA tournament quality team for all five of Chris Holtman's seasons in context, because they would have made the tournament in 2020. There was a bracket put out by 10 bracketology experts, Joe Lunardi and Jerry Palm and a bunch of the other top guys. Somebody got their brackets from them and mushed them together and made a bracket that I think is, is as official as anything. I wish the NCAA would have put the bracket out in 2020. I think it was a mistake that they didn't do that and say, Hey, here's who would have made it because you could have called them tournament teams. I don't know why they didn't do it. I thought, I think it was a mistake mm-hmm. for them not to do that. So we're doing it ourselves. And we'll talk about the fact that Ohio state has been an NCAA tournament team, all five of Chris Holtman's seasons and what that means. But let's start off the top, Steven, with the idea of the Buckeyes, being a seven seed against number 10 Loyola. Let's start with their injury status. What Chris Holtman said, he talked to reporters on Sunday night about Kyle Young, about Justice Suing, about Zed Key. What kind of team do we think we'll see from Ohio State? I expect Zed Key to play. Let's start with him just because I kind of followed up on that and the idea of Zed Key went through warmups and he was a game time decision for the Penn State game. He was dressed. And if they absolutely needed him to play, he could have subbed in at any time there. That was Kind of like, hmm, is he going to play? Um, and Holtman agreed with that, but they just didn't want to, you know, risk it. And so they sat him out another time. So, but he'll get more information on him later on. Kyle Young was also at the game, but he was not seated on the bench. He watched it from the back. And one of the reasons why is he's, 
basically said because some of the lights and stuff like that, Kyle Young would rather just watch the game from the back, which makes sense if you're in concussion protocol and you're still feeling some of the symptoms, if the bright lights might get to you and you need to sit in the back and watch a basketball game. Once again, we'll get more information on Kyle Young later this week when we talk to Hopeman maybe Tuesday or Wednesday before we all head to Pittsburgh. And then they have never put out a formal statement the way they did with Seth Town saying that Justice Suing is out for the year. Um, they still haven't technically done that. He just said they do not anticipate Justice Suing playing on Friday. But I would also assume that from the way he he even said they haven't put out a statement yet, but I would assume a statement coming out about what Justice Suing status is for the rest of the season might be coming this week as well. So we were talking about an Ohio State team that has lost four of its last five, that has lost five of its last eight, that if they would have finished stronger, Stephen, I mean, they clearly were more in the mix for like a five seed, maybe a six, maybe a four if they would have finished really strong. And instead, they barely hung on to a seven. They're the number 28 overall seed. The NCAA puts out a full seeding list. They're the last seven seed. I thought they would be an eight. I was a little surprised when they came up on the seven line. They're the last seven. They're barely a seven. So they really hurt their chances of getting to the Sweet 16 because if you're a five or a six, especially if you're a five, it's like when you're 5-12, then when you're 4-5, your second game's a toss-up in a 4-5 game. Now they're a seven, and we'll talk about the Loyola matchup, but they're gonna if they win, they have to play Villanova in the second round. But let's talk about Ohio State first as a team, losing four of their last five. We haven't talked since the loss to Penn State. Nathan and I brought it up briefly at the beginning of the pod uh, on Friday. Man, Steven, it just didn't you? It was like one of those games where it was like, hey, they're winning in the second half, but man, you know what? Feels like they might lose it, and they lost it. It was a disconcerting feeling watching that game because it felt so familiar. So it's like nine minutes left in the second half, and I'm watching the game. Um, we're sitting at courtside, so you're really up on the action. I don't feel any energy. I don't feel anything. And I'm sitting next to Griffin Strong, who works for uh, 11 Warriors, and I go, why does it feel like Ohio State's winning this game? And I have no reason, no explanation for why they should be winning this game right now. And he looks at me and he goes, there's still time for them to blow it. And I go, yeah, you're right. Four minutes go by. We're like, hmm, they're going to blow this, aren't they? Yep. And then the clock ticks off. It's like, huh, we're going home tomorrow. They really blew it. Yeah, it just, they got up early because EJ got hot early. And then EJ missed some shots. They couldn't guard anybody to save their life. Jamari Wheeler took some step back threes that were just completely out of character and made zero sense whatsoever. And Penn State started hitting shots. And so I ended up turning around and going home from Indianapolis less than 12 hours after I got there. But yeah, it never felt like Ohio. It, it felt like a lot of the other games that Ohio State's blown leads in where, okay, they have this lead, but there's no reason for any of us to feel comfortable that Ohio State's actually going to hold on to this lead. Now the question is, can they escape it anyway? So are they good? Like, do you think they're going to play well? We'll talk about the matchup. We'll talk about the Big Ten getting nine teams in. I think the context of the league matters at least a little bit, Stephen. There's 14 teams in the Big Ten. Nine of them are in the tournament. Nine of the 68 teams in the tournament are from the Big Ten. That's not nothing. This is a tough league. There's not Now, it's not nearly as good at the top as it was a year ago. A year ago, as a reminder, there were four Big Ten teams among the top seven overall seeds. Mm-hmm. They had two ones and two twos. Illinois and Michigan were one seeds. Ohio State and Iowa were two seeds. 
They had the three, four, six, and seven overall seeds in the tournament. This year, the highest overall Big Ten seed is Wisconsin is nine. They're a three seed. So they had four teams a year ago, Stephen, that were all higher on the list than any Big Ten team this year. So there's depth. There's not the extreme quality at the top. But let's talk first. I mean, that matters. That does matter. They're not some, some, they're not from some crappy league. But are they going to play better? Like are EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham going to be a one-two punch that is a problem? Two pros in the tournament. Is that going to be real? Are they going to have enough big man depth? I don't think you can count on Kyle Young playing. But if Zed Key's back and you get a little bit of Joey Brunk, are the guards going to play well enough? Like, do you think they'll play well on Friday? Because I don't, even if they play well, I don't think it's a guaranteed win. But what team do you think we'll see? I think, and I texted, I wrote this um, when I, in my four things, you know, about uh, uh, Loyola College, Chicago. And I think I sent it to the Texas too. They don't have a guy like how Oral Roberts had some guys where it's like, hey, these two are actually a lot better than the level of play they play at. And they might carry this team who nobody knows about to a sweet 16 just because they get hot. Loyola doesn't have a Max uh, Acemas. I think Ohio State has that guy this year, and it's EJ Liddell. I, I'm not. I don't think they can beat Villanova, but if I, I might try to convince myself that EJ Liddell might drag this team to a Sweet 16, just because. I mean, he played really well last year in the tournament. He just missed some free throws down the stretch because he got tired. And he worked on that all summer. And, and his energy level hasn't been a problem this year. And he's had some games this year that Ohio State has wasted where he's played really awesome. The Penn State game was one of them. He had another game this year where he had like 25 points and like 17 rebounds or something like that. And like six blocks in Ohio State wasted that game. I think EJ is going to drag them through Friday and then he's going to give it his best effort on Sunday just because he hasn't had the tournament run yet. And that guy might be an All-American. He might make some lists. At least he was like a third-team All-American on my list when I put my vote in. I, that's what I'm banking on. I don't know if the rest of these guys are going to show up, but I think EJ is going to try to drag this team, and at some point Malachi is going to come along for the ride. And let's see how many rounds that's good enough to get you through. The idea of them beating Villanova sounds crazy to me. Yes, it does. Like I, I, like I, have, I have no idea what that would look like. Because, yeah, they beat Duke, and yeah, they won at Illinois, but even the win at Illinois feels like forever ago with the way Mm -hmm. this season went, and they lose four of five after that. Do they guard well enough? Will they guard well enough? Now, to your point, Loyola's leading scorer scores 14 points a game, but they have like six guys scoring between like 14 and seven. Mm -hmm. They're very balanced. They're not very high-flying. Will Ohio State guard well enough? Right, because it maybe feels like there it's their defense that's let them down. But if they're not playing, as you said, elite offensive dudes, then does it not matter that they can't stop anybody? No, they're not going to guard well at all. Loyola College is 24th in the Kimpom rankings. They're 42nd offensively and 22nd defensively, so a little bit more balanced. Ohio State is 32nd in the Kimpom ratings, and it's because they are 13th in defense. You know, I mean, in offense, so they're the 13th best offense in the country. Guess where they're at defensively? They're 131. 131. Yeah. So, no, they're not going to guard well at all. That's, I mean, I mean, (laughs) how did the basketball team and the football team become the same people this year? Awesome on offense and can't play defense worth a squad. So, no, that's not how they're going to, they're going to have to win this game because Loyola College, they don't have, Loyola Chicago doesn't have a guy get hot and EJ and Malachi are just awesome, which is a terrible analysis, but that's just the truth of the matter. 
You need EJ and Malachi to be CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba in the Rose Bowl. Yes. Yes. So, Literally. Good, good luck. Someone need needs to catch 353 yards of receptions, wherever it was for Jackson Smith. So like, that's, that's the deal. I don't, I don't know. Like, should people have faith? Like is this, like, do you two pros, two pros, two pros, two pros, two pros, two pros, two pros. I, I would be curious. I mean, if you went through again, a lot of recent projections, Stephen, have mm-hmm. Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell as first round picks. If Malachi comes out, EJ obviously is going. I don't know. I, I, it's worth a look. It's worth probably looking into in the next three days. How many teams in the tournament have two pros? Have two guys who are projected as pros like right now? That's not a ton. But isn't it? It's hard to have faith in these guys. And I wanted to ask you, did you feel like EJ felt frustrated after the Penn State loss? Does EJ Liddell, did it feel like, I mentioned this on the podcast the other day, and I don't want to put words in EJ's mouth, but it's like, hey, it's, fans are frustrated. Fans are maybe losing a little bit of faith in this team. Is EJ Liddell losing a little faith in his team? Yeah, and this is not the first game where he showed some of that frustration. Um, I think it was after the Michigan game. He was pretty frustrated. There was an earlier game in the season where he was pretty frustrated with the loss. But this one seemed a little like he was the other times he's tried to hide it. It was just like, man, we lost and I'm a little upset right now. We didn't talk to them until maybe like 20, 30 minutes after the game ended. So he had like a little bit of a cool down period. And whatever was said in that locker room, he clearly hadn't calmed down from it. Because he wasn't hiding it on his face. His quotes were, we need to play harder. If we don't know if we don't know that by now, something is wrong. But we've got a week to get better. This is our longest break in a while. Hopefully we can get healthy and come back out and play. And he just kept repeating those same types of quotes where it was clear of he gave off an energy of, I'm doing my job out here. I'm being our best player. I'm showing up. I'm playing through double teams. I'm shooting contested jump shots and knocking them down. Being that close to the court gave me a very different perspective. I like being that, that close because you get to see things from a different angle. He takes some tough shots, man, and he knocks them down time after time. He gets doubled a lot. He's a really physical basketball player. You can't always tell that from where we sit in the shop, but when you're right there up on the court and you get to see it live and direct, it's he he plays a tough brand of basketball and he he gets the job done. So there is it, it felt very much like I'm doing my job out here. Somebody y'all need to do y'all's part. Is that bad heading into the NCAA tournament? Because did Holtman after that game sort of say things like, "No, I thought we did play hard." Like mm-hmm. I th- hasn't Holtman at times said, "Hey, we need to play harder." He wasn't really saying that specifically after the Penn State game. So that seemed interesting to me that. EJ is kind of saying, hey, we need to play harder. And Holtman's saying, like, well, no, we played hard. We just made maybe made some mistakes. It was almost like good cop, bad cop, except the player was being the bad cop in that situation. Um, I, I didn't agree with a lot of what Holtman was trying to say after the game, saying this is the toughest we fought in a while. I mean, you were up 13 points, dude, comfortably up most of the game. You weren't fighting. You just needed to hold on to a lead and get up out of there. I, Holtman took the more keep his team's morale up because of – the injuries and stuff like that. Given given the circumstances, we played pretty well. He took that approach while EJ took the, I've had enough of this. We need to actually start winning some games and producing. I don't care who's out here and who's not out here. Okay. So I don't know. It's hard for me. I don't, I don't have a ton of faith in them. Like if they play their best game, right? If they play their best game, I mean, there's no doubt that they, I mean, Loyola doesn't have two pros. Right. And if they get enough from Zed Key, they do clearly miss Kyle Young. Somehow if Kyle Young plays. Chris Holtman did say, hey, like if they're playing in Dayton, that'd be a problem on Tuesday or Wednesday, like to Friday, mm-hmm. even the one extra day 
could be uh, something that helps them with their injuries. I just don't think you can count on Kyle Young at this point. He's got to be careful about his concussions issues. He's had multiple concussions. So all the best to Kyle Young in dealing with that. But they get a little bit from Key and Brunk, and is the guard play good enough? You know, it's a cliche about guard play on the NCAA tournament. But if the two pros go crazy, Ohio State will win. I just don't – like, do you think that's likely? Do you think it's likely we get the best of Liddell and the best of Branham in this game? I think it's pretty likely that we get the best of Liddell. He hasn't – he's had all but two games where he's been excellent. Um, I am intrigued by Malachi because I think the Big Ten started to figure him out a little bit. And that if we just push you around, he's a pro, obviously, but he's physically not a pro yet. And every, I mean, he's 18. He's not supposed to physically be a pro yet. You know, there are, you know, this Jim Jabari Smith is not physically a pro yet. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Chet Holgrim is a, not physically a pro yet. He's going to be like the number two or number three pick in the draft. So that's fine. But I do think, I am interested to see if Loyola picks up on that with him is if we just push him around a little bit and get a little bit physical with him, can we knock him off? So I'll, I'll, I'll hold judgment until maybe the first five minutes of the game to see where Malachi's head's at. A lot of this is going to be on Jamar Lee Wheeler, man, because they brought him in here because he was an all-Big Ten defensive player for two years in a row. And come to find out, he's an elite defensive player because of the scheme he played in and not necessarily because of his own talent, because he has not guarded well at all. And when you're playing a team who's their best two players at their backcourt, Listen, when you got when you were brought in here to defend, you need to defend on Friday. All right, let's take a quick break, dig in a little bit more on Loyola, and dig in a little bit about Ohio State's NCAA tournament success and getting in, which matters next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Lane, Reese, and Stephen Means, great time to be a text subscriber. 614-350-3315. Looks like the betting line is practically a pick but I'm seeing Loyola minus one and a half that Loyola is actually the favorite here. And again, according to the Ken Palm efficiency ratings, which takes everything into account, Loyola's 24th, Ohio State's 32nd. So Loyola's higher. I think Ken Palm has Loyola winning by a point. The neutral side in Pittsburgh, it's closer for Ohio State. It's a a noon tip on a work day. And I don't think people love this team. There are people who love Ohio State and love Ohio State basketball no matter what. I don't know, Stephen, that I'm expecting like a packed house of Buckeye fans, even though they're only three hours away on Friday. I mean, it wasn't really that packed, you know, last Thursday night, and that was a nine o'clock tip in Indianapolis, which is OSU West at this point. And so I, I, it might just be a new, I, actually, I won't be shocked if Loyola has more people there. One, because, you know, Sister Jean, you know, that's always a thing. But then also, Mid-major schools, when they get into the tournament, it doesn't matter if Loyola has had a lot of success recently. They were in the tournament last year. They had the Final Four run a couple of years ago. Um, they always travel really well for NCAA tournament. So I won't be shocked if it's you know 52% Loyola and then maybe 48% Ohio State. So I'm reading a couple of things about Loyola here. Obviously, again, you mentioned the defensive metrics. Uh, they are 22nd defensive efficiency. Ohio State is 131 in defensive efficiency. That's not great. But also, it feels like I'm looking at some numbers here that would indicate that Loyola is like a good half-court offense team, Stephen, that they get good shots. And they get, um, they're pretty good at like spot-up jumpers, and they'll get some open three-pointers. A team that 
effectively runs half court offense. That doesn't sound great. Right. Make you guard. Yeah. They make you guard. So how is it like they don't have as much talent. I, I think, I think that's when you have two pros, that's, I think that's not, that's true. Ohio state has the two best guys in this game, but if Loyola's going to play more connected on both ends, then that's how Ohio state loses. And if they're going to get good shots, well, how's Ohio state going to defend against a team that works to get good shots? It is almost a contrast of style. And that's not saying that Ohio state is just, you know, up tempo fast. We want to run at every peak moment type of team. Cause they're not, they don't, they're not that, but they're in comparison to what Loyola is. They are that, um, it seems like a good formula to make a team who's not good at defense, you know, to beat them is make them guard for longer than they, than they want to guard. It's I'll, I'll, I'll once again, this is a lot's going to fall on Jamari Wheeler because he's not a great lock you down defender, but he does get pressure every so often. It can cause some turnovers every so often. Can he do that? Can Malachi, cause Malachi has the body to be able to guard at a high level. He's long, he's lanky. Um, he's athletic. Can he tap into something? Uh, Penn State tapped into something on Thursday that I thought was very interesting, and it was like the first time a coach actually came out and said it. EJ Liddell led the Big Ten in block shots this year with like two and a half a game, which is impressive because he's only six seven. It's not like he's Kofi Coburn size or anything like that, but he's their best rim protector, and he knows either he's their best rim protector, but the other team also knows he's their best rim protector. And the problem is he's not just standing by the rim the entire game the way that like Joey Prunk is. He's probably out on the perimeter guarding somebody. So to get a lot of those blocks, they're either coming in transition, chase down blocks, or he's coming from the weak side and cheating off his man to get some of these blocks. What Penn State notices, oh, he's cheating down. So if we get deep enough into the paint, we can just kick it out to EJ's man. He's going to knock down threes the entire time and that allowed Penn State to get back into the game. Does Drew Valentine see what Penn State did on tape and go, let's use EJ's shot blocking skill and his his want to always go block a shot against Ohio State? Because he can't stop doing that, because if he's not blocking shots, they're probably not getting stops. Why? It it feels like Chris Holtman has just been a little frustrated, been searching for it a little bit with this team as they lost four or five to end of the year. Why is that? Why aren't they more connected on defense? Do they just have guys who are not great individual defenders or what is the sort of missing thing here? Again, I got, I don't follow this team closely, but when I was trying to compare it to, for instance, the Ohio state team that missed the NCAA tournament that had like a, we got together with those guys on selection Sunday, the year after, they made the national championship game and Odin and Conley left and they thought they were going to get in and they didn't get in. And then they won the NIT. And you know, what does that prove? It's like, yeah, they, they were good enough to get in. They didn't get in. It should have been like an 11 seat or whatever. But like, if you had just like, Oh, what was up with that team? Was like, I would have said like, well, the players like hated each other. <laughs> like that's what the problem was. Like they, there was complete disconnect. And they sort of figured it out in the NIT. And then it was like, Oh, this is what they could have been. But there was like a very clear, just like that team wasn't connected. What is it with these guys? Are there, are they not good individual defenders or why aren't they a little more connected? Yeah. This uh, Landis actually asked this um, about two weeks after, after the Michigan game, just flat out when you guys were putting this roster together was defense, even on the list of things. And Coleman went, no, that's why they don't have the personnel to defend. I mean, Justin Orange is a shooter who doesn't want to shoot, but he's not a really good defender and teams pick on him because of that. Um, as I just said earlier with Jamari Wheeler, he's it's clearly more of, of he's a product of the scheme and not necessarily his own personnel. 
Michi Johnson can do it at times, but he's not consistent enough and disciplined enough to do it every single possession. Cedric Russell is not a great defender at this level. Jimmy Soto's not a great defender at this level. Malachi Branham's a true freshman and still trying to figure out how to play defense at this level. Um, Kyle Young is their most versatile defender because he can guard on the perimeter. He can guard in the post. Zed Key is a undersized big man who often ends up in foul trouble when they play a real big man. Joey Brunk's old, which is, I mean, he is old. He's an old, he's like six years younger than uh, Loyola College's head coach. Uh, Down the list here, Justice Suing, missing that, that's a valuable piece because he's another versatile defender who could hide some of these deficiencies. Seth Towns wouldn't do that. He's an offensive guy, but Justice Suing, that's a more... They, I think they miss Justice Suing more defensively than they do offensively, just because you do have Malachi and EJ. What he can bring to the defensive side of the ball, just because his length, even if he's not the best you know, one-on-one defender, his length and the fact that you could put him on multiple people would have helped. But it boils down to they didn't build this roster with a lot of guys who are great defensive basketball players. And Coltman has said that that's coming in this 2022 recruiting class, which is true. Roddy Gale Jr. is a pretty good defender. Bryce Sensabaugh is a pretty good defender. Bruce Thornton is a a quality perimeter defender. So it's coming. But on this roster, the personnel just doesn't, you know, even last year's personnel, they don't necessarily scream, we're going to be a good defensive team. So this Loyola team, uh, Justin Arns leads Ohio State with 45 three-pointers this season. EJ Liddell has 44 uh, the leading three-point shooters for Loyola, Lucas Williamson's made 72 this season. Braden Norris has made 64, and Ryan Schweiger has made 46. They have six guys who play at least 20 minutes per game, and three of those, four, four of those six guys who are the top six guys in minutes, four of them shoot at least 39% from three-point range. Uh, Braden Norris, who's their second leading scorer, he shoots 44%. Um, Tate Hall shoots 40%. He plays 22 minutes a game. Lucas Williamson, their leading scorer, he shoots 40% from three. And then uh, Ryan Schweiger, as I said, he scores 9.2 points per game. He's their third leading scorer. He shoots 39%. Is that trouble? Or how is Ohio State against teams that shoot three, Stephen? In the tournament, that might be trouble. Yeah, because of what I just mentioned earlier. The question almost becomes, which one of those guys is EJ Liddell on? Because if EJ Liddell has to go be the rim protector, guess who's going to be open in a corner? One of those four guys, if that's who you end up putting EJ Liddell on. And it's why it's in... Ryan Schweiger is 6'7". He's redheaded. He's got a beard. And he's going to hit like six threes as EJ goes to the rim. He's going to score like 26 points on six of nine three-point shooting on Friday. So guys got to stay in front of their man because EJ is going to get some blocks, but if he's having to leave his man every fourth possession because somebody's getting blown by on the perimeter, then yeah, having four guys shooting 40% from three-point range is going to be a problem because – I mean, especially if they get hot, if one of them gets hot, now you got to deal with them. Then another one gets a chance to get hot. Then another one gets a chance to get hot. So, yes, this is going (laughs) to – can Ohio State's guards guard? Because if not, EJ has to help them. And that means Loyola's guards get to make the right decision with the basketball, and Loyola's going to make a bunch of threes. Drew Valentine, the head coach at uh, Loyola, took over for – Porter, what's his last name? Mosier, who was the guy who led him to the final four, who then left. Where'd he go? Oklahoma. 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 Yep. 
They missed the tournament, by the way. Loyola's in it. So he's 30. <laughs> he made the tournament twice as a player in Oakland. Yes. In Michigan, and then was a GA at Michigan State for a while and is, was an assistant at Loyola starting in 2017. His little brother is uh, Denzel Valentine, I believe. Yeah, Michigan State's own. I was wondering, I was like, oh, did this guy play at Michigan State? It's like, no, his brother did. So uh, young coach, big deal for them to be in. Three-point shooting team that works the ball in the half court on offense and plays pretty good defense. I think Ohio State's going to lose. <laughs> like that, that matchup, there's like four things there that I don't like for Ohio State. Now, to your point, we talked about Max Amos Azmus before the game last year with Oral Roberts, but we undersold him because he was like a five foot eight dynamo. I mean, that guy like set the world on fire and got them to the Sweet 16 and was clearly the best player in that game, even with Dwayne Washington and EJ Liddell. So, to your point, it's one of those things, Stephen. We talk about this when you put yourself in this position, even if they would have been a four or a five, you can get a team like this as a 12 or a 13. You're either going to get like a power five. Like I thought they were like, there were brackets when I thought Ohio state was going to be an eight. There were brackets where they were playing like Carolina as the nine. And it's like, all right, well, like there's a lot of that. That's like, well, I don't think that's better. I think Ohio state rather would rather play Loyola than play a team with a bunch of pros, a team that recruits as a top five or top 10 team that kind of had an underachieving season. So that's who you get in this range. You either get an underachiever from a power five conference who like wakes up in the tournament which actually might be Ohio State, or you get sort of this kind of mid-major kind of thing where, you know what, if they were in a better conference, they might even be a higher seed, but they play connected, they take smart shots, and that's what they got. So I guess for this team, Stephen, I'd rather Ohio State play this type of team than Carolina, but it feels like the Loyola might do some things that still won't give the Buckeyes problems. This is better because there's always going to be the element of, okay, what if they – their game plan works to a T, but they're just missing shots that day. And that's always yeah. on the table with three-point shooting teams is that eventually you're going to have a day with it. I mean, even Stephen Curry has games where he doesn't shoot the ball well, and that's the best shooter anybody's ever seen. So that's not on the table with North Carolina because if North Carolina is missing shots, then okay, we're just going to go take you to the basket because you still can't guard us. You know what I'm saying? When it's equal yeah. talent, that's always on the table. So, yeah, I'd rather play the less talented team who can make shots – but if they're missing shots, then we catch a break that day. And I'm not saying that Ohio State should go in there with their fingers crossed that if EJ Liddell leaves his man, then he's just not going to make any shots. That's a terrible game plan. But it's on the table that a team who shoots a lot of threes is going to have games where they miss shots. Okay. So, I in the end, they did fall apart. Losing four to five is a problem. I don't no, I mean, when you see how Iowa won the Big Ten tournament and still only got a five, Indiana beat Illinois in the Big Ten tournament and still was the second to last team to make the field, which surprised a lot of people that Indiana was behind Rutgers and Michigan. People thought Rutgers was right in the bubble and that Indiana was in with the way the Indiana played in Indianapolis. It was a reminder, Stephen, that it's just the conference tournaments don't matter that much. I do think if, if Ohio State, not that I'm asking Ohio, I mean, Ohio State made the Big Ten tournament final last year and got them a two seed, but they were going to get a high seed anyway. I'm not asking them to do that. I'm not asking them to make an Iowa run, although they had the same conference record as Iowa. They could have made an Iowa run, but they didn't. 
So I don't know how much it would have changed their seed. Maybe they could have been a six instead of a seven. They probably weren't going to play themselves into a five because Iowa is only a five. Was this good in the end? The Stephen Means philosophy of losing the Big Ten tournament and get home was losing to Penn State actually better? Even say, say, because the normal thing would have been beat Penn State, lose to Purdue. If the choices were beat Penn State and Purdue and then lose in the semifinals or just lose to Penn State and go home, which would have been better for this team? Ohio, when Ohio State takes the floor on Friday, it will have been eight days since they last played a basketball game. And when we're talking about a team where the consistent excuse has been they're tired, they played 10 games in 20 days, and they've got a lot of injuries to some key guys. I mean, Holtman said it today, not playing until Friday. I think, does it help? I think it may. Another day for us is certainly needed, and those guys are making progress. I'll make more of a statement on that once I have more information, but certainly, if we were going to play in the first four tomorrow night, it wouldn't look good for our group. Well, you don't have to play in the first four. You don't have to play until 12-15 on Friday. Sounds good to me. I mean, that gives you the best chance to get Zed Key back. Liddell gets a week and a half off. I mean... They held on to their seven and they didn't get some overwhelmingly talented power five team in the first round. So in the end, considering they lost four of their last five, uh, this is probably about as good as they could have hoped for. They're three hours from home, even though the other team's favorite, it's basically a toss up. They're getting over in the second round. That's where it hurts the most, right? Again, that I thought mm-hmm. you could have been in the spot where you had a very winnable second round game. This is going to be a really heavy lift to beat Villanova if they get past Loyola, which I don't think they will. But they certainly, if Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell, what's the threshold, Stephen? 50, 46? What's the magic number where if Liddell and Branham combine for this amount of points, especially if Loyola wants to slow it down a little bit, what if like 42? What's the magic number if they hit that Ohio State wins? So Loyola has played two other Power Five tournament teams, and they played them on back-to-back nights. They played uh, Michigan State, and they played uh, Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, lost both of those games. It's the only time they've lost back-to-back games all season. Played both of those teams close. As a matter of fact, the Michigan State game came down to a game-winning dunk at the end. Lost that one 63-61, and they lost to Auburn 62-53. to 53. And, so, the, and the Auburn game was like a game with 90 seconds left. Like, they yes. played them, like, down. Like, it was not really a 10-point game. It, yep. they were they had a chance to win in the final two minutes and i'm pretty those are neutral four games um so my takeaway from that is if ohio state is going to live in the 60 point range you're going to mess around and might maybe lose this game i think ohio state needs to score 70 or more points which means malachi and ej should probably have anywhere from they need to combine for at least 42 okay game game in the 70s Two leading scorers combined for 42. That sounds like pretty sage advice to me. Let's talk about Ohio State and the NCAA tournament. Let's talk about Chris Holtman because everybody likes to talk about Chris Holtman. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. So Steve, Steve and I hopped on the Zoom with Chris Holtman on Sunday night, like the first time I've been on anything with Chris Holtman all year. You've been doing it all year, obviously. Um, I was going to ask Chris Holtman about this because I had crunched some numbers, and he brought it up. Himself, he started with this. And I think it is fair, Stephen, because making the NCAA tournament is maybe the smallest window for achievement 
it's about as small as anything in sports. Now, even like the, winning the Big Ten title is even small because like nobody actually cares about that. That's f- a five minute window. This is like a two day window because you make it, but then you immediately jump to like, hey, they're in. I think they're going to lose. We just did it on this podcast. But this is quite a thing. There's 353 teams that want to get in, 68 get in. And so it's hard to pause and think about it because the tournament's on. You don't get a month of bowl prep. Can you imagine if we had a month to just talk about, oh, like with football, you're in the playoff, you're in the Rose Bowl, you made a, you know, one of the New Year's Six games. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, what's the history of that? What are the greatest moments? We don't do any of that because you get right into the tournament right away. And then if you get upset or lose early, people aren't necessarily too excited to be like, well, at least we made it. It's like, ah, we're out. So it's not, it's one of those things like when you do Coach K, it's like, oh, Coach K has made the tournament blank number of years, right? Then you do it. But it's like history. It's for the historical record. It is not much. We do it for Thad Mata backwards. Ah, Thad made seven straight. Chris Holtman noted that. That was the longest stretch in Ohio State history, seven straight. Ohio State clearly would have made the tournament in 2020 when it was canceled. If you go by the expert bracket, they're in. They're one of eight teams in the country, Stephen, eight teams in the country to have an NCAA tournament quality team all five years of the Chris Holtman era. Chris Holtman brought it up on the call on his own that Ohio State is one of three Big Ten teams joining Michigan State and Michigan. He was like, oh, I thought Purdue would have been in there, but Purdue would have missed the tournament in 20, right? Stuff like that. So I asked Holtman about it. So he's bringing that. So I, I texted Holtman afterwards and said, hey, by the way, you're one of eight in the nation. Because it's like, it's, it's those three Big Ten teams, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. And then it's Kansas, Gonzaga, Villanova, Houston, and Texas Tech. In addition to those three big, big Ten teams. In the Chris Holtman era, and it's, completely worthy to just call them a tournament team that year. They were no doubt in Holtman thinks they would have made the sweet 16 that year. Cause they were playing well at the end of the season. I'm not going to give them that, but they certainly would have made the tournament to be one of eight in the nation. Steven is like a pretty big freaking deal, but I texted that to our tech subscribers. And somebody said to me, that's dumb. And I was like, it's not dumb. And I don't know if that person canceled their text, but like, I'm not going to have you tell me that something I text is dumb when it's clearly not dumb. You're one of eight in the nation. But I don't know if anybody cares, Stephen, or I don't know if people, the reason I, I want to bring it up because I don't know if people realize it. If you're doing that as a trivia question, name the eight teams. If you take into account the COVID year, who would have made it, name the eight teams to make the NCAA tournament the f- last five years. Ohio State is a team that nobody would get. That nobody would get, Stephen. You'd get everybody else. Oh, Jay Wright, right? Mark Few, hey, Bill Self, right? Yeah, they're all good. Hey, Jawan Howard, he's good. Izzo, right, right? Nobody would get Ohio State. That is select company. Doesn't that matter or does it not matter that much? It's like, you you know who Ohio State is? It's like you have the Jackson 5. There's like Michael Jackson, and then there's like Tito Jackson, where it's like, yeah, you're like in the Jackson 5, but it's not like, Let's talk about Tito Jackson when you bring up the ta- Jackson Five, man. Talk about Michael and Jermaine and all those other guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, bring up Tito first. It's it is imp- it's an impressive thing that Holtman has done, and I do not want to take away from that at all. It is a very impressive thing, especially when you read down the list of all the other teams. 
But also, one of these teams is not like the other in terms of those teams. It's, yeah, you got there five straight times, but then what did you do when you were there? And those guys, Nothing. they've, right, they have all gotten there and at least had one year where like they made a run for it. Yeah, they did because I looked that up too. Yeah. Tournament wins. So it's three tournaments because one was canceled and one's about to happen, even though it's mm-hmm. a five year streak. Tournament wins for these eight teams Michigan and Gonzaga, 10, Villanova and Texas Tech, nine. Houston seven, Kansas six, Michigan State five, Ohio State two. All the other teams, the other seven teams, not only have they all made a sweet 16 in those three years, they've all made a final four. They've all made a final four. Ohio State has two first round wins and a first round exit. The other seven all made a final four. So it's almost like you don't want to be in the club because you don't want to be Tito. But you know what? you can tap your toes to a lot of Jackson five songs. And would you rather be like a one hit wonder or would you rather be like, man, I'm in the Jackson five, man, we're on TV all the time. Look at our cool outfits. We sing awesome songs. Everybody loves us. Yes, I get it. I get it. We're not Michael, but at least I'm in the Jackson five. I could be in some group that had one song. And otherwise nobody cares about it's disappeared off the charts. The Jackson five is here to stay. But I feel like Ohio State fans, I know there are some Ohio State fans listening to those stats, Stephen, and saying it's dumb. Who cares? Oh, great. You're one of the eight. That's, you know, when you notice NCAA tournament streaks, when you don't make it. Because everybody loves the NCAA tournament and you love it at least a little bit more when your team's in. Because, oh, how long, how far am I going to take my team? Now, the hard thing is your team loses. And there's right now, Stephen, there's a bunch of Ohio State fans filling out brackets. And they're like, uh, I like the Buckeyes, but I don't want to screw up my bracket. So I guess I'll pick them to beat Loyola, even though I'm not sure if they'll win. But I'm definitely going to have them lose to Villanova. Right? Are any Ohio State fans like, <laughs> sweet stick, final four, baby? No, no Ohio State fans are saying that. Maybe some are. Good luck to you if you are. I mean, it's not completely unreasonable. You got two pros. But I feel like there's there's not enough time within the tournament calendar to appreciate it, Stephen. But the fact that they've had no peak, that they are consistent with no peak, practically renders this level of consistency irrelevant. And that's not exactly fair in my mind, because there is a great again, I like to type in Holtman in the Twitter machine. Type in H and it's good because the two ends, right? Makes this yeah quotation mark, Holtman, and quotation mark. And just let the good times roll. Man, there are people good times, but okay. There are people who want him out. There are people who are like, if he doesn't want an NCAA, if they lose to Loyola Chicago, he should be fired. And then there are people who are just absolute Chris Holtman defenders who are like, How dare you? And of course, I'm in the middle, as critical of Chris Holtman as I've been. I didn't look up this stat to make him look good. I looked up this stat because it's a fact. One of eight. And if you want to ignore that, fine. I think it's crazy to ignore it. But that's why any talk of like, oh, he should be fired is nuts. You're not going to fire right now a guy who's one of eight programs in the country to make the last five NCAA tournaments. But it's also not good enough, Stephen. It's not. It's not. And guess who knows that? Chris Holtman. But it should shut down. The fire Chris Holtman now talk, which is not the loudest, but it's not non-existent. He's definitely back next year, but they got to do something in the tournament at some point. Because, right, Stephen? I mean, 
it, how much is this? What is this? 10%, 8%, tw- like how much does it matter? Five straight NCAA tournament appearances. If you count the COVID year for Chris Holtman, I feel like people don't care because you, because the March, once you get there, it's not fun. And so that means it barely even counts. Yeah. I give it like 12% just because, I mean, it's a cool thing to say, except it's like, all right, what do we, it's like dating a person for 12 years with no sign of giving them a ring. At some point she's going to go, what are you doing here? Like, what are we doing? Are we just going to sit here for the rest of it? No, eventually you have to like take that next step here. And nobody likes to keep getting to the finish line and then not crossing the finish line. It gets annoying after a while. I think that's where we are, especially when it's the same dance every single year. It's early success where it's like, oh, man, this team looks like they might make an Elite Eight Final Four. Look what they just did to insert non-conference opponent who's ranked top 10 in the country here. And then you get to January, February, you go through some struggles like every team in the Big Ten does because like every team in this conference likes to beat up on each other. That's just what it happens. But then you find yourself, you get it together, and then all of a sudden you fall off a cliff to end the season when it's like, if you just do X, Y, and Z, you can win a Big Ten championship. Nope, we're not going to do that. We're going to lose four of our last five games and go from a four seed in the ter- Big Ten tournament to a six seed, and then we're going to lose to Penn State. Or, no, we're going to make it even better. We're going to really get your hopes up and get all the way to the Big Ten championship game, barely lose to an Illinois team who's actually pretty good, and then we're going to blow it the next week against uh, Oral Roberts. And so that's I think we've reached the point with this fan base a little bit where there's a lot of people who are just waiting for the other shoe to drop because it drops every single season regardless of how impressive this you know situation is where he's gotten the five straight tournaments. It's hard. It just really crystallizes how devastating the Oral Roberts loss was mm-hmm. because Oral Roberts thing went last year, went on and beat the seven Florida. Ohio State could have beaten Florida. Yep. And then Oral Roberts went on against the three Arkansas and lost by two. So that elite eight, they weren't, Ohio State wasn't going to beat Baylor, but the idea that Ohio State, quotation marks should have, I mean, by their seed, they should have, should have made the elite eight last year mm-hmm. and then lost to Baylor. When you look at the other teams they had, Arkansas as the three, Florida as the seven, man, like, and how close, or Roberts beat one of them and almost beat the other. Man, it's devastating. And it just adds so much because that should have been the up year. That should have been their sweet 16 year. That should have been, okay, well, Eight, you know, there's eight teams that have made all five of the last tournaments, and they've all made a Sweet 16. Seven of eight have made a Final Four, but at least they've all made a Sweet 16. Ohio State's won two. They have a losing record. They're two and three in the tournament. Like, it's that's but, that Oral Roberts thing is a killer. Let me tell you what it really does. It validates the excuses of this year a little bit. Even if, okay, yeah, you're missing some key pieces, but if that roster last year gets to the Elite Eight the way they should have, and then this year, we're going through all this trauma because Justice Suing is out. Seth Towns is out. Now you've lost Zed Key and Kyle Young. You could point to that and, so, and go, look what this team was when they were fully healthy. They were Elite Eight team, which means this year they probably would have been an Elite Eight Final Four team if they were fully healthy the entire year. But they're not, and so they're not reaching their potential. That, ex- that excuse holds a lot more weight if you don't lose to Oral Roberts because this same exact roster – except you take out Dwayne Washington, but you insert Malachi Branham, who is better than Dwayne Washington, that exact same roster lost in the first round. So what do you mean? So I, that's why when people say, look at what Holtman has been able to do despite injuries, well, when this roster was completely healthy, they lost to Oral Roberts. So why should I believe in it? It's hard, man. And it's, 
The NCAA tournament's not everything. It's not. It's the most important thing. And sorry you made your sport that way, but you did. But they're also 11 and 9, 12 and 8, and 12 and 8 in the Big Ten the last three years. You know, they're not stacking Big Ten regular season titles and then not mm-hmm. doing well the NCAA tournament. But again, you can also look at, well, they made last year they had four of the top seven teams in the country. This year they have nine teams in the tournament. I get it. They've made they've made mm-hmm. five five straight NCAA tournaments in a very competitive conference. That's a true fact if you count them making it in the COVID year. Five straight in a competitive conference. That's not nothing, but I also understand why it gets lost. <laughs> the Big Ten is not off the hook either. And I'm going to be writing this this week too. Because no, they had eight not. last year. They had eight last year, and most of them were gone by Friday evening. So it's, 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 it's the same argument we can have with Ohio State. It's really cool that we love to do this thing where like the big 10 is the best conference in basketball. Look how many teams they got into the tournament, but then every year it gets proven that is the big 10 really the best conference in basketball, or do they just beat up on each other enough that it makes it look like it's more competitive than it actually is. So as much as we're talking about Ohio state needs to take that next step and get to the second week of the NCAA tournament, you got nine teams in the big 10 this year who are in the NCAA tournament. If we get to Saturday and all but three of them are headed home, I'm out on the whole. The Big Ten is the best conference in basketball. It just means the seventh best team in the conference can beat the best team in the conference, while in the ACC and the Big 12 and SEC can't say that. But what does that mean when you're trying to actually compete for championships? And it is one of those things that's like, oh, Ohio State hasn't won a Big Ten regular season title under Holtman. But, man, they have Kansas in their conference, or they have Duke in their conference. They don't. They don't. They have a deep conference. The top's not as good as the best teams in the country. So it's a weird spot. Chris Holtman understands it, but I did find it interesting, Stephen. Again, I was researching this stuff, and I was going to write this idea of five straight tournaments for Holtman in five years. That's something. I was going to write that no matter what, and then he started there. And I found it interesting because he started there without getting a question about it. But he wants people to know that. And then I did. I was glad to give Holtman credit. Sometimes I'm not Holtman's favorite person, which is fine. I think he's good with the media. I think he's good with the fans. I think he cares about this program. I just think they haven't won enough critical games at critical moments. But they were going to cut him off after about 10 minutes. He's like, I can take a few more questions. So I wasn't going to get called on. Then I got called on. But I did want to double down and have him talk about that more. I wanted to give him the opportunity to talk more about the idea of making the tournaments a big deal. It's the standard. It's just that we blow by it in the moment, but when it's over, they're going to say Chris Holtman, you know, we're going to look back on this. It's you just don't realize it in the moment. Cause when fad made seven straight, Steven, man, they're They got the sweet 16, like four straight years, right They're They made a final four. They made a lead eight. Right. I mean, like they were doing things on top of it. So this is a very specific and I think pretty rare spot for Ohio State to be in. Because as we just said, there are very few programs that are this consistent without a peak. And I think we figured out, Stephen, how fans react to that. And it's not great. And if you ask the question, right, so of course you take a championship. But if you said, what would you rather have? 
five straight, and it's hard because it's not really five, but five straight NCAA tournament appearances and no Sweet 16s, or would you rather make two in five years but make the Sweet 16 both years or make three in five years but have one be a Sweet 16? I think, Stephen, the answer is people want the Sweet 16 that they can remember because all the nice, solid seasons run together and get underappreciated when there's no peak. Yep. You want you want something you can hold on as a memory and not something that you have to sit down on basketball reference and go look at it, go, hmm, this just happened. Because you wouldn't have known. If you weren't, you had to go look that up, that information. And so it's, it's kind of a matter of fact, by the way, type of stat and not something that's in your face. And uh, I mean, we do this for a living. So our entire job is matter of fact, here's a stat for you. But the average fan is not looking up, you know, by the way, matter of fact stats, they're looking at what's right in front of them. And if Ohio State loses on Friday, that's what's going to matter. Not the fact that this is the fifth time they've gotten there and then disappointingly lost in the first weekend. Because, you know, you know, I mean, like, again, it's, uh, of course we don't remember it, but like the one year, their second year, they were an 11 seed. And yeah. they beat, they beat the six. Well, that's, that's pretty cool, right? Isn't that, isn't that something? That's, that was cool but, because they got to the second round and they weren't supposed to get to the second round. And right. then you thought, ooh, the next year, we're going to be supposed to be in the Sweet 16 and then we're going to get there. And then obviously, you know, things happened. But it's like, it's, you remember things when you're not supposed to, when things are supposed to happen and they happen, that's cool. When things are supposed to happen and they don't happen, that's when you get Fire Holtman all over Twitter. But it is the best, the most exciting thing in the three NCAA tournaments under Chris Holtman is they were an 11 seed. They beat number six, Iowa State by three. And then they got their doors blown off by number three, Houston. And that was like yep. the peak. And that's why we are where we are. <laughs> so I'm not trying to kiss Chris Holtman's butt, but I'm trying to add some context to this discussion, which I don't know if it's raging. Twitter's not the real world. But I'm just telling you, I, I, I think I've been fairly like amount wise critical of Chris Holtman, but I also think I've been fair in my criticism. And I just think like, it's just like the, like the get rid of him now discussion just like, doesn't make any sense again to like, Hey, maybe he would go somewhere and whatever. Like that's a different, but like, this isn't good enough for Gene Smith to be like, Oh, they lost to Loyola. We can't stomach this anymore. It's like, dude, they're one of eight pro programs. So, but get back to me next year after this recruiting class comes in and they, they're one of six teams to make six straight and they lose in the first round. And my tune will have changed. My tune will have changed, but for now it hasn't changed and they have a chance. They have a chance, Steven, but it is, it's funny to make up for losing to Oral Roberts as a two seed. They're going to have to beat a two seed. They're going to have to beat number 10 Loyola. And then they're going to have to go beat number two Villanova. And then they will have made up for that, but that's what they've done to themselves with their NCAA tournament performances so far in this era. There's like a 17% part of me that feels like it might happen just because that's how this team operates. It's we're going to lose to Nebraska who hasn't beaten, but two big 10 teams all year, but then we're going to go to Illinois and we're going to beat them on their home floor. Think about their last four games of the season. They beat Michigan state. That's their win. Right. While their losses were a Michigan team without their head coach, Nebraska and that's ridiculous. Like it doesn't make any sense. They lost. They lost to all the teams they were supposed to beat, and then they beat all the teams they're supposed to lose to. So let's just irresponsibly apply that logic here. 
fine. You get out the first round because you beat out Loyola because maybe they don't make shots. But then randomly you beat Villanova and everyone's going, what is going on here? How does this even happen? So there's like a 17% chance to me if they beat Loyola, I'll consider picking Ohio State to beat Villanova, but I probably won't do it. Villanova is the overall number seven seed in this tournament. Ohio State this season has beaten the overall number eight seed, Duke. They've beaten the overall number nine seed, Wisconsin, because they split with Wisconsin. And they've beaten the overall number 14 seed, Illinois. So they've beaten teams as good as Villanova. I just don't think they would do it now with where they are right now as a team. But at their very, very best, if they can get close to that, They've done it. All right. I think we'll, we'll see what happens. It's a long way between now and Friday. I have some combined basketball, football stuff I would like to do this week. There's no football practice this week. Ohio State's on spring break. So no new interviews or anything. I have two different combined Big Ten basketball, football things I'd like to do for podcasts this week. So if we can pull that off, we will. But I think at some point, maybe – as we gather a little more intel about Loyola, Stephen, are they going to have like another round of interviews with the players, Ohio State players at some point in the next couple yeah. of days, I would imagine? Yeah, we're supposed to get – they're going to try to do something with Ohio State on Wednesday before they go, but then there's always the interviews the day before the game on Thursday that I'll be at. So it'll be hard. I don't want to – we don't want to do it for the Friday podcast because they yeah. play so early on Friday, but we'll try to check in again with the basketball segment at some point, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in there to get like a final, final update on what's happening with Ohio State before they tip off with number 10 Loyola in Pittsburgh just afternoon on Friday. Stephen will certainly be there. But we'll have some, we have a bunch of other football stuff planned this week as well. So make sure you stick here with Buckeye Talk, read cleveland.com slash OSU, try the text at 614-350-3315. For Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.